Emma Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to take a look at how laws affect children as we grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Emma Constance? Well, today we would like to find out more about law centres and how they work. Getting legal advice can be very expensive and many people can't afford it. A law centre is a charity based in local communities designed to help people with problems such as eviction from their home, discrimination, exploitation at work, welfare benefits and immigration issues. Law centres also seek to tackle the causes of poverty and inequality in their communities. They don't charge people for advice and instead the centres receive funding from legal aid contracts, local authorities and donations. They are independent and directly accountable to the communities they serve, usually through committees of local people called trustees. Where I live, North Kensington Law Centre was the first law centre in the United Kingdom to offer access to justice for the poor and vulnerable. Let's talk to Frank Kiangela, Director and Immigration Solicitor at North Kensington Law Centre. Hello, thank you so much for joining us on our Kids Law Podcast today. We are so pleased to have you here. Could you please tell us more about why the North Kensington Law Centre was set up? Hello, thank you for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure. Right. North Kensington Law Centre has a long history and a long presence within the local community. We were set up in July of 1970 by a local solicitor, pretty much a local legend called Peter Candler. And uh, Peter is still very much involved with the Law Centre up until today. What Peter had noticed at the time was that there was a very deep pocket of poverty and deprivation within the local area, within the borough of Kensington and Chelsea. Now, this may sound a little bit counterintuitive because at the same time, Kensington and Chelsea is the richest borough in the whole of England. But yet you would find groups of vulnerable individuals locally who had very precarious lives, who lived in very inadequate accommodation, who were being exploited by so-called slum landlords. And that really resonated with Peter Candler. But at the same time, he could not bring any legal assistance to those individuals because this is what they needed. They needed to make use of the law to force their landlords to improve their living conditions. But to make use of the law, you needed to have money. And those individuals simply didn't have any money. So Pete thought about creating a movement, a community organization that would bring in lawyers who would agree to work for these people for free. And initially, it was Peter Candler, Anthony G. Ford, Lord G. Ford, now King's Counsel, and Lord Victor Sedley, High Court Judge, who joined forces and started providing these legal services, initially primarily housing and also a bit on criminal law. They set up in the Goldborn Road at number 77, and we were there up until around about 2010. It used to be an old butcher's shop, and when the law center first opened, you still had all the paraphernalia of a butcher shops in the background. NKLC North Ken has really developed in what it does. 
It now deals with issues of employment, welfare benefits, immigration asylum, modern slavery and trafficking, and housing. So why is it so important to have law centres today? It's as important today as it was in the 1970s. We live in a society where our rights and our entitlement are codified by law. You get what you get because the law enables you to get it, but the law also prescribes how and in which form you will get it. So you need to be able to understand how the law enables you to enjoy those rights. But if you are not a lawyer, how are you going to know that? So you need someone with a specialist knowledge to be able to tell you this is your right and this is how you enforce it. Now, this was slightly equalized with the advent of legal aid, and I call it the fourth pillar of the, of the welfare state. It's a financial fund provided by the government to fund the work that lawyers will do for people who cannot afford their own legal defense. For a while, legal aid was spread across many areas of law, but as time has gone by, those areas of law which are covered by legal aid, have become much, much more limited to non-existent. So we are now falling down that rabbit hole again. Only those with sufficient financial means are able to obtain the services of a lawyer. If you want to access law for an affordable price, or you simply cannot pay, you need to be able to go to an organization that is going to provide you with a lawyer who will do that. Once upon a time, you could go to a law firm in the high street and you would have a solicitor working for you on legal aid. But since 2012, with the legal aid, sentencing and punishment of offenders 2012, that's the act that redefined who and what areas of law get legal aid. And most areas of laws have been taken off legal aid. So for a high street practice, whose reason to exist is to make a profit, it makes no sense for them to work on legal aid because to make legal aid work, the lawyer has literally to subsidize legal aid himself or herself. So the only organizations that have stuck with legal aid tend to be law centers. So if you were to eliminate law centers from the landscape, you would have even more individuals with no access to justice. And if there is no access to justice, you have no access to your rights. What kind of work does the NKLC do? So all law centers do what we call social welfare law, the type of law that is practiced with the view to enhance and improve society. The individuals that need social welfare lawyers are also the most vulnerable within our society. At my law center, at North Ken, we do asylum. So that's the protection of refugees, people fleeing wars, like for example, the Ukraine war. We have dealt with a few Ukrainian nationals who were seeking assistance 
uh, and protection in the UK. We do modern slavery and trafficking. And those are individuals who are moved under false pretense from one country into the UK under the pretense that they will be able to access well remunerated or adequately remunerated employment and it doesn't turn out that way. We do immigration work in which we try to reunite families which have been split because, say, for example, either dad or mom has come to the UK to work here or a British citizen got married to someone and they want to bring their spouse into this country. We provide employment advice and tribunal assistance, and that is for individuals who have grievances at work, individuals who are being unfairly dismissed, individuals who are being forced to work under precarious work conditions. We also provide advice and assistance in housing, and this is to prevent homelessness and to have access to adequate accommodation. We also provide advice and assistance in welfare benefits law, and this is for individuals who do not know how to access benefits or they are not getting the right benefit. We have a small pro bono unit. Uh, pro bono means a unit that works for free, which provides criminal advice. And for families of individuals who have entered the criminal justice system, either as victim or perpetrators, and do not understand how the system is working, do not understand what is happening to their, their loved ones. And we also give advice to individuals who want and qualify to make a claim under the Windrush Compensation Scheme. I don't know if you have heard about the Windrush scandal. In the 1950s, just after the war, the United Kingdom called upon its colonies, mainly from the, the West Indies, from the Caribbean, to come and help rebuild the UK. And those individuals entered the country lawfully. They had been living in the UK for a long time lawfully, but a very hostile immigration environment was created. And suddenly those individuals were being told that they were living in the UK unlawfully. And that was not the case. Some lost employment, some were really impacted mentally, some lost housing, some lost their lives. So the government decided to set up a scheme to financially compensate individuals who qualified under the scheme. But the scheme is complicated to understand. And I believe, and most of my colleagues believe, that it is in the interest of the state to provide legal advice so that individuals can understand whether they qualify under the scheme. We also had a special unit which has been dealing specifically with victims of the Grenfell tragedy. I think it was 2016 when the fire occurred and the tower is just there looming over the law center. So uh, we provided uh, a lot of housing advice to those who had been made homeless because of the fire. We provided a lot of immigration advice because there were a lot of migrant communities living in the tower who ended up losing all their immigration documents in the fire. What are some of the challenges your clients face? Your clients face many, many challenges. And those challenges are the same within the different areas of law that we do, but also they have their own specific aspect. We have a program 
with London councils to provide immigration advice to non-UK rough sleepers. And the rough sleeping population has increased a great deal, in part aided by the, the COVID pandemic. A, a, a large migrant community who were working, they couldn't do those jobs anymore, they couldn't pay rents anymore, and they ended up on the streets. So that particular group faces the challenge of homelessness. Where do I sleep on a day-to-day basis? They also face the challenge of financial deprivation, destitution. They cannot work, therefore they have no financial means to feed themselves, to buy clothes. So the, the challenges that our clients face are just enormous. We have heard of children sleeping in cramped rooms, covered in mold, suffering from asthma. We have had children going to school on not enough to eat. It's difficult to pay attention to what the teacher is saying if your stomach is grumbling. At the same time, if you are a parent, and this is what your children are facing, as a parent, you feel that you have failed, and that has consequences to your mental well-being. So you end up with parents suffering from uh, depression, suffering from anxiety, and on top of the physical ailment that you can get because of your poor living conditions, you also end up with mental issues. Do you have any cases involving children? We do. For example, I presented a young lady who was fleeing war from an African country and she is still suffering from trauma. She is completely deaf and she has a young child. And that young child has, to an extent, be the carer for his mother. And now not allowed to be a child because he has to be caring for his mother. We have received reports from the social workers from the school that he has too much on his plate and that is affecting his school performance. We have had cases of children entering the criminal justice system because of, in my view, because of the instabilities that they face within the home. And the child is not going to be absorbing any positive influence whatsoever. And they will then become a product of the environment in which they are living. We've had the case of a young child who was 11 years old at the time being found by the police in a car with weapons because her father's friend were hoping or about to storm a police station in order to free her father. And that's an 11 years old child found in a car in the middle of all these guns. Sure enough, the child was taken into care. That child is now a young lady with so many problems in front of her. And most of those problems have also been exacerbated by the fact that nothing had been done to resolve her immigration status. Now, what was social services doing that they could not see that that child, the first thing that we need to do is regularize that child in terms of in terms of her immigration status and then place her securely 
within the system so that she can flourish. And none of that happened. Please, can you tell us about your career and why you chose to specialise in immigration law? Well, my career has been a varied one. I used to be a censor. I used to vet what people watch on TV and what they don't watch on TV. (laughs) It must be said, it was in a country aspiring to become a communist country. And uh, my job was to vet international programs and sort of decide which ones were good and which ones were not good for the public consumption. I have been an engineer. We were building, at the time, one of the biggest dams in Africa. I have been an interpreter, and then I became a solicitor. I became a solicitor because I've always taken an interest in debate, and this is what I believe us lawyers are good at. I like debate, the flow of ideas, which is constructive, and why immigration, why asylum law, why human rights. As a human rights lawyer, the outcome you give your client is the transformation of their lives. It's the acknowledgement of the sanctity of their lives, of their existence. When I deal with an asylum application and I get to the end and I give my client refugee status, I feel really, really pleased because I say to myself, this is one less person who is not going to be tortured. And there are still many out there that I would like to protect, but you can only protect those that come in front of you. Social welfare law is something I deeply like. It's just transformational. It changes people's lives. I have a question I ask all of our guests. What were you like at 10? And what did you imagine you'd go on to be as an adult? What was I like when I was 10? I was bookish. My dad did a fair amount of work from home. And he was the kind of person for whom I want to see the children, but I don't want to hear them. So in my siblings, we tended to be really quiet. And the one thing that my dad gave us in abundance were books. So we were always reading. To the extent that I was never really a sporty kid. It was mainly books. I was curious. I wanted to know about the world, about countries. My speciality was the ability to remember almost every single capital city of every country in the world. I'm not sure I can still do it. Initially, I saw myself as doing the same thing as my dad because he had a tendency to take me to his office and to sort of introduce me to his work. And he was an architect. So initially, I thought of myself, yeah, I'll be an architect. And then I created a social conscience. And I did not want to be a profession. I wanted to be someone. I wanted to be Che Guevara. Uh, That didn't work just as well. And then I went to the idea of working in construction, in buildings, and that led me to doing my first degree, which is structural engineering. And as time went by, I then again changed directions and decided to return to uni, do a law degree, and uh, reincarnate as as a lawyer. Thank you so much, Frank, for telling us about North Kensington Law Centre and the work of your team. 
Do you have any final advice for children who want to understand more about access to legal advice to help local communities? Thank you very much. It's it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on the Kids Law Podcast. I will say, ask your school to make contact with the local law center and see if they would like a visit from the students. I know that I would like a visit from the students. Or the law center could send an outreach team that could go an afternoon and talk to the pupils and explain what we do as law centers, explain our place within the community and why a career in law may be something that they would like to contemplate. Fantastic. That was great. Thank you so much. Really good ideas as well. Excellent. That was lovely. Yeah, thank you so much, Frank, for taking the time. Good. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Bye. Well, Alma, what do you think about what Frank told us? I was really surprised to hear about how many areas Frank and his team deal with and the amount of challenges his clients face. He has seen so many issues and problems throughout the years. It was very interesting to know that even though the law centre was set up over 50 years ago, there are still inequalities for people to access affordable legal advice nowadays. It was also interesting to know how children are impacted by the social environment they are living in. It was truly amazing to hear that Frank's main motivation to work in this area of law is to help and transform people's lives. I agree, and Frank had a great idea for schools to contact their local law centre to arrange a visit to find out more about the work they do and explain how you can work in this area of law. In our podcast, we've been exploring how laws work and affect young people. All of these things can help children understand their rights and responsibilities so they can make informed decisions, not only about their lives, but also about voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works. It's also important that children know that it should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, Talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. This includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too. So tell them that you need to talk to them. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.